Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Low Sodium Show. I am your host, Mark Lenny Crew Wheeler, and welcome. We're going to have a fun night tonight, y'all. It's going to be a good one. Um, we've got uh, stripers tonight, landlocked stripers. We're going to talk about how to catch them, what to look for, and how to make it an excellent experience for you and others. Um, and we're going to specifically talk about the trolling style for stripers. Okay, I know there are other ways and in other pursuits of them. We're talking open water, landlocked stripers, um, trolling for them with live baits and with artificials as well. Um, both I'm pretty well knowledgeable about. Um, uh, from my experiences, not only in the saltwater, but in freshwater lakes as well, Lake Anna, um, Lake Cumberland, uh, a few others as well that have had stripers in them, that have uh, uh, came at the the mercy of a of a well placed bait. Um, talk a little bit about that, and then uh, easy night, easy night. We're gonna book our way towards the wonderful holiday coming up and uh kind of go from there um a few things you're going to want to know about uh the low sodium show will not be on until january 8th after the show um i am taking a nice <laughs> uh two weeks off for the holidays um so just letting y'all know that we're ready right after right off the bat. Um along with that um we've got uh some new things coming around the pike. So you definitely want to tune in for that. And uh as always, don't forget to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Excuse me, on Blog Talk Radio on kayak fishing radio um for redfish chuck on monday myself on wednesday and the godfather himself chip gibson so with that being said we'll take a quick break and we come right back we'll have more of the low sodium show landlocked stripers only on the kayak fishing radio network Full Bay Custom Rods are handcrafted, designed, built by fishermen for fishermen. Each plank goes through a rigorous stress test to ensure the highest quality, period. You can actually feel the action of the bite as well as lure vibration through the foregrip. Made with the highest quality components and made to your specifications. Full Bay Custom Rods bring innovation to your hands. Go to bbrods.com to check out some amazing custom rods. Full Bay Custom Rods, built by fishermen for fishermen. Give me the flats to dawn with plenty of tailing fish. And the perfect fly rod. Yeah. And get ready for some magic. Awesome eat! I got one! Oh, damn, I got him, you got it. I got him. Join Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Nice fish. And help make sure that the magic never ends. Visit tarbone.org to find out how you can help. Having a hard time explaining which kayak fishing accessories you'd like to find under your tree this year? 
ACK.com makes it easy with our holiday gift guide full of top gifts for kayak anglers. With over 300 models of kayaks, canoes, and paddle boards to choose from, as well as all the top accessory brands like Scotty, Ram, and Yak Attack, our selection and prices can't be beat. Place your order and we'll get it to your door with same-day shipping for in-stock items. Plus, we're celebrating the holidays by offering free shipping on all orders for a limited time. Yes, that means on kayaks too. Free shipping offer excludes Hobie kayaks, paddle boards, and accessories, as well as any hazardous items and order shipping to Hawaii, Alaska, and international destinations. You are listening to The Low Sodium Show on Kayak Fishing Radio with your host, Mark, the landing crew wheeler. Alright, we are back, and let's start talking about landlocked stripers. Um, once the beat's done, mm, carry that beat. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to right back to it. Um, the thing with, with, and I have people talking to me about landlocked stripers, and, you know, they're always, I, I hear a lot of, they're not the same stripers as the, the ones in the ocean. There are different species, and I've got to sit there, and I've got to break it to them that, no, <laughs> stripers are andromedas. That, that means that they can go from salt and fresh and fresh to salt uh, without having any issues. And um, it takes me a little while to, to get them to understand that they're the same fish, just in different uh, water. Sweet and fresh, sweet and salt, salty and sweet. It's all the same fish. Um, now, if you're talking hybrids or wipers, then yes, different species altogether. The ways of fishing for them and the way that they act are the same, in a sense, okay? Um, they're predatory fish. There isn't a lot out there, um, and I'm talking about about freshwater. There isn't a lot of, of species out there that really pose a threat to a mature 20, 30-inch striper. Um you know, a 50-inch muskie? Yeah, maybe. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, an adult striper, anything over 20 inches, okay, really, really in all actuality has no predators. Okay, next to maybe a, a, a hawk or something like that um, in, in, in fresh water. And this allows them, that's why you keep on seeing these catches in some of these lakes of these humongoid, freak, nasty stripers, okay, that when they cut them open, they've got like a whole catfish in them, all right? There just aren't things out there that can really hurt a striper when it gets that big in fresh water. So that being said, we need to look at what's in the water that the striper can eat, okay, with stripers like that, okay? There are two things you understand, and, and the one being this: stripers are very similar to largemouth. If it can fit in their mouth, they're going to eat it. With one exception: stripers have no qualms about eating small things. Okay, but there has to be a lot of small things to make it worth their effort to make a big meal. If that makes any sense. Um, 
So we're going to play into that as well. But let's talk about the gear you're going to need. Okay, and the first things first is understanding how long the or how big are the potential stripers in this lake you're going to be fishing at. And again, this is we're talking about open water stripers here. Okay, so what we're going to do is say that we're not going for after trophy stripers here. We're going after schoolies. And when I call a schoolie, 18 to about 25, 30 inches is a schoolie. Okay. Um, so how are we going to attack these? And there's several things that I like to do when I'm going after stripers. Okay. And the the biggest one is using um, good gear. Okay, and, and some people are going, what do you mean by good gear? I'm talking about good gear. Okay, uh, one of my personal favorites is a, a rod that I help work with, with bull bay rods, and it's the bomb dropper. Okay, it is a little heavy for, for a lot of stripers, but we're going to be trolling for them most of the time. And having a little extra backbone with a, a rod like that that runs in the, the, the 12 to, to, to 30 pound range, um, 15 to 30 pound range, um, or 15 to 20, whichever one you want to look at. You're looking at a, a setup that's going to be able to handle trolling all day, which is the biggest thing. You're going to be sitting there, you're going to be trolling all day long. Unless you can go in Unless you can go in and start casting them because they're busting the surface, you're going to want to troll. Okay? Now, how do I do it? I troll up to four rods for stripers. Okay? And the techniques for doing that, we're going to talk about in a minute. But we have a good, decent set of rods. Okay? We have three really good trolling rods in that bomb dropper line of, of rods. 15 to 20, about 7 foot is about all you need, okay? Um, line uh, is very important, but before you put line on the rod, you need the reel, right? Um, what I really like for reels, uh, for water stripers, are the old Daiwa Slosh 20s. If you can find them, you are set. They're pretty darn cheap. Uh, a Daiwa Slosh 20 is going to run you maybe 100 bucks. you find them on eBay. It's a decently sized reel. Um, and it holds a good amount of line, too. Because we're going to load this with 50 to 60 pound braid. And I hear people asking me, why are you using such heavy braid for, for you know, a 20 inch fish? Well, the reason that I'm using such heavy braid is because it doesn't cut my hand like a 20-pound braid well, or a 10-pound braid. A 50 to 60 to 80-pound braid is a little thicker, allows me to get a wrap or two in my hands to bring it in, okay? If I don't have a leader. Um, so, I use that heavier braid, like I said, 
to be able to 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 wrap and, and fling them in the boat if I'm not using a leader. And I do that sometimes. I will, I'll run without a leader. Um, Power Pro, Suffix, whatever. You're trolling, you're not casting. Don't have to worry about it. Now, I talked about three rods. Okay, load three just like that, and you're ready to rock and roll. My fourth rod is a casting, uh, a spinning rod. Okay? And I know people say you don't troll with a spinner. You can get away with it. Okay? Um, and, and what I use is actually a shorter rod. We're talking six, six, six and a half, or, or six, six, uh, you know, uh, six, ten in length spinning rod. Pretty decent, you know, length on its butt. Um, and the reel that I always seem to go to as my go-to reel for this is a um, Akuma Cedros in a 30 size. It's a perfect size for this. It's basically for throwing at busting fish. Um, you know, it, and, and a decent rod. Again, bull bay all the way. Um, I find that you know, even up to a seven-foot rod, um, I can get that that lure, whatever I'm using out there. Uh, a lot of times, my trolling lure is also my casting lure. I, I like to work both of them at the same time. So that, you know, that's that's where I really like to um, uh, to go with my setups is, is multi-purpose. Okay, so. I've got my three boat rods. I've got my casting rod. A few other things you're going to need. You're going to need two planing boards. Okay? Not the planers like the, the, the depth planers. Okay? We're going to do that with something else. Um, but what we're going to use is a actual planing board to get the baits out away from you. Okay? And how I like to do this is I will get a um, a set of a plane board. You can get them for like twenty bucks, um, twenty dollars each. And what you want to do is figure out which one runs which direction. A lot of times, it's just you know, however you hook them up, you put them out, and they slide out. Um, but what I use to retrieve them is a retractable dog leash, okay? It, it's just one of those ones with the heavy-duty springs in them where you hit the button and it retracts it back in. It's, how, it's what I really like to use. Um, and it keeps the, the, the baits far enough away, okay, that I don't have to worry about them when I hook up immediately. Okay, if I'm running my shotgun, which we're talking about here in a second, and it hooks up, I hit that button on whichever side that striper's running to, it starts to bring it in. I can reel in at the same time and insist it in bringing it in. Um, and also, when one of those gets bit and starts to run underneath the boat, it's staggered enough that I don't have to worry about that lure or that fish tangling in any of my other lines except for my, my short line. Um, so let's break down my trolling pattern. Um, and we will get right to that right after a short break, and we'll be right back with more of the Low Sodium Show 
only on the Kayak Fishing Radio Network. Looking for a new cooler with a lifetime warranty and made 100% in the United States? Look no further than Orca Coolers. These roto-molded, rugged coolers feature premium quality, seamless construction, meaning they're built to take whatever you and Mother Nature throws at them. Orca Coolers allow ice to keep for days, and they have non-slip feet so your cooler stays where you want it. With secure external latch system, the lid always stays closed. Orca Coolers. Made 100% in the USA, always has been, always will be. Check them out at orcacoolers.com. Looking for a group of kayak anglers to share your kayak fishing adventures with? Check out yachtangler.com, your ultimate fishing resource. Have you heard? Jackson Kayak is coming out with a new boat. No, it's not the big rig, but it's the Kraken. Yes, folks, the Kraken is coming. Are you ready? Come join Jackson Kayak in 2014 as we release the Kraken. So go to your local dealer, look at the rest of the kayak line of Jackson Kayaks. Or go to jacksonkayak.com to check it out today. Jackson Kayak, leading the way. And we are back with more of the Low Sodium Show only on the Kayak Fishing Radio Network. And uh, we've got a caller. Hang on one second. Caller 701, you are live on Kayak Fishing Radio. Well, hello. How are you guys doing today? What's going on? Not a whole lot. Actually, uh, I've just been having some major problems with this little website in your chat room. Do you guys have any idea what's going on? Um, no, but who is this? I'm Chris Carlisle. Oh, hey, what's going on, Chris? Sorry, man. <laughs> I've got to be uh, uh, extra super on my guard. We had a bunch of guys last Thursday um, call in, and it was a good 20 callers that called in uh, that were absolute 
Um, <laughs> uh, buttheads, best way to put it. Keep it PG. Um, and they literally called in with the same way. Hey, what's going on? Not doing much, but uh, I've got you know a question or an issue or something that's slow. And I, I literally have my button, my finger ready to go. No, 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 no. Click. You know, because um, it, w- it would immediately go into. You know, something was like, oh, no, I can't believe you just said that. Um, so, but no, um, to answer your question, uh, what's going on? <laughs> well, actually, I was going to, I mean, I don't want to take away from your show because it was, it was starting to be pretty good. So um, I was kind of hoping to just talk to somebody and maybe a little technical support, but it just, it won't hook up with the chat. It, it's just goofy. My name never appears. And it, this happened last week, too. I was trying to get on and you know, share some input and kind of participate with you guys and just right. wasn't letting me. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I, But I, other than that, how have you guys been? Good, man. Good, good, good. I hope you're liking the show. Um, oh, yeah. We're, Up here in the Dakotas, we're cold as heck. We're trying to do some ice fishing, but other than that, I mean, I think we finally got 13 inches of ice on the little lake I've got. Nice. But... Yeah, so we're we're finally starting. I think the first time I went out ice fishing, uh, I fell through about four inches of ice to let, you know, that was all crusty on top, and then they had some decent stuff underneath because of a snowstorm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I got water all the way up to my shin, soaked my boots, I mean, everything, and I drilled a hole to find four inches of ice underneath me, and I was like, well, let's take a chance. I kept walking out. I got about halfway to my spot, and I look up, and there's this Ford F-150 flying towards me. I dropped my freaking ice house, and I started running for the shore. <laughs> <laughs> I shaking my hands like, no, stay away, stay away. <laughs> oh, wow. my God, you scared the crap out of me. But uh, the, the fishing up here is, you know, starting to pick up, up in Devil's Lake. Oh, my gosh, the perch. Holy cow, they are just huge. And tons nice. of them. Very nice. So you guys using minnows or are you guys using, um, you know, maggots or jigs? Of, or? Uh, yep, yep, combination of some minnows and then uh, wax worms we call them up here. Okay. Or the, the spikies or whatever you want to call them, I think is another another kind that's similar to smaller. Right. But, yeah, I ended up catching a, oh, I don't know, 23, 24-inch pike on a little ultralight. wasn't anything like my daughter's 31-incher on the kayak, but it, it pulled some line finally, so I was kind of happy to see my, you know, bobber go underwater with that one. Otherwise, it's been a bunch of little sunnies and stuff like that around here. But Cool. Um, and I know uh, Ashtabula, which is just south of me in North Dakota, has been pulling out walleyes like you couldn't believe. Hmm. I mean, limits in under an hour. Wow. Yeah. That and I'm talking nice. not just, oh, yeah, not just for you either. I'm talking like a limit for four in under an hour. <laughs> That's some stellar it's fishing absolute, right there, bud. Dude, you, oh, my God, is it ever. So, yeah, we are... <laughs> We're starting to get into that good old ice fishing time, and they're starting to bite. They're starting to pick up. The ice is starting to behave. The weather's starting to behave. Good. We sat with the, we sat in a week. I think the the average temperatures around my house was like negative twenty. 
Yeah, I can laugh tell you all you what, want. You keep it. You can keep it, man. <laughs> right? Guy coming from a place that's like, what, 40, 50 degrees is a low in the morning? And that's that's awful, man. I mean, we've, we've had some cool nights here, you know, where it drops down to like 25, you know, 20 degrees, um, you know, but uh, but nothing like that. I mean, that's just... <laughs> oh no, that was that was that's bad. I think our temperature today was 22, and the mailman couldn't get into my dra- my driveway, so I decided to walk out to him. And I was wearing my shorts, and that was you know a short and a t-shirt, no shoes, no nothing. I just walked through the snow, and the guy looked at me and he started shaking his head. And I was like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> this is a heat wave, buddy. This is 20 degrees up here. We got it made right now." <laughs> God. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, and, and lucky you don't trap, man, because that would that would end your otter, your beaver, and your muskrats ricky tick with that much ice on the you know eighteen twenty you know what do we said twelve to eighteen inches of ice. Yep. So what yeah, you getting we'll, we'll be getting pretty close to that. But uh, that was the that was kind of the thing too. I was thinking about doing this year is doing a little bit of beaver trapping. Because, man, those beaver pelts in the winter, that's the best time to get them. Make yourself a nice set of hat or a nice set of or a hat or a nice set of gloves or mittens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, uh, my, my wife um, had, uh, had made, um, I had a bunch of beaver that weren't, weren't graded for, um, for sale, um, you know, due to one thing or another, you know, like a rip or something like that. And uh, she went right. ahead and, and she packaged them all up and sent them to a tannery, had them brought back, and then had a, a, a furrier go in and and create a blanket out of them. Oh, nice! And you want to talk about warm? And because uh, no they, they, they sheared the they sheared the guard hair and then the uh, the the under hair, the the real heavy thick hair. And they sheared that down, so it's real. You know, it's only about half inch thick, but it's super soft, um, and it is just amazing. I mean, literally, you know, it's one of those ones. You know, it's 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 about the size of a twin bed, so it's not a huge setup. Um, but you know, when she gets cold on the sofa, you know, she grabs that, and within five to ten minutes, she's got to pull it off. You know, fan herself because it's so hot. Um, you know, you know, that's, Sounds like that's, I need one that's of those awesome. when I'm out ice fishing. <laughs> oh. And actually, one of the best furs and the most easily available is still probably running around the, the snow right now, and that's possum. Make yourself some possum mittens. I know it sounds funny Never. and it sounds kind of weird, um, but possum, when the guard hair is shaved down to the th- to the under hair, is perfect for um, for mittens because when you put them on, it's not a real dense fur. It's still got some air and looseness to it. So it allows air circulation. So if your hands are wet, you put them inside there, the air circulation will help dry your hands. Very nice. Yeah, yeah one I, of those I never stupid, even thought of possum, man. That, that's a good idea. One of those stupid backwood trapping mountain man things that I've picked up throughout the years. Um, you know, there, there, there are several others. Uh, you know, I know North Dakota right now has some of the best coyote in, in all the, the lower 48. Um you know, uh, along with oh, yeah. a really wonderful red fox. Yep, and you yep. guys have weasels, too, so you guys have the gambit. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, the mink and the muskrat, they're they're all thinned up. 
as much as possible right now. But uh, yeah, man, you got North Dakota is a, a one heck of a trapping area, and uh, it's a heck of an outdoor state. I tell you what, I mean, if you can get by the the cold temperatures in the winter and the you know, that's what I just think is absolutely funny. We got temperatures as cold as Alaska in the wintertime, but we got temperatures as nice as what Florida gets in the summer. Yeah. Just without the extreme humidity. No, that's even worse here. Oh, really? You can't, I mean, 80, 80 degrees, you step outside and you, you you can't get your pants to quit sticking to your legs. Oh, I mean, it, it is bad. You walk outside and it's just instant sweat. <laughs> I, dude, I, I used to live in Albuquerque, New Mexico for a while, and yeah, when it got up to 100 degrees, I'd still be outside in a long sleeve shirt and black pants, and I'd be enjoying myself. You come up here and try to do that crap, and you're going to pass out in an hour. <laughs> Good gravy, man. That's just crazy. Yeah. Um, but I sent a ticket in to see if they can fix it. Um, but uh, yeah, man, uh, you know, stay tuned. I know you guys have some freshwater stripers up there in North Dakota. I know there's one or two lakes that have them. Um, yep. You know. Yeah, I think Devil's Lake, we got a couple of striped bass. or No, I think that's white bass. We got a, a, a state record out of Devil's Lake with white bass. Right. Well, same subspecies. Um, not They don't get as big, but um, still use the same sort of tactics and do really well on them. Um, you know, we talked about just a minute ago, you know, planer boards and stuff like that. The number one thing yep. with planer boards and that whole system is using the correct release and a release that will let go, not when they swipe at it, but when they hit it, take it, and start to go with it. You actually want to watch that planer kind of dip in the water as it goes. Now that's your one indicator. Yep. You're paddling, and all of a sudden you look over because you can see that flag you know, dipping and diving. All of a sudden, boop, it comes popping up, and your line all of a sudden catches and your rod bends over. Um, and that's one of the things I can't ex- stress enough is you want them to hit it, to, to, to hit it, turn their head, start to move, then that line pops, and for them to have a moment of slack. Because most of the time they just grab the tail or they don't get it fully in there. You want that half second to a second of slack for them to get it down in their head, okay? As they're running, yep. that line will come tight, and you've got them. That's we the used to have problems. Yeah, we used to have problems back when we started first using planer boards for walleye, um, and that was the that was the issue. Is we we get them and they they'd smack it, but it would be in a way that wouldn't necessarily be a great bite, and mm-hmm. we'd end up having to freaking start all over again, reel the line in, get the planer board back out, throw it out, and start trolling again. And yeah, I mean that became kind of a pain in the butt. So I could see how that would be you know, making sure that stays hooked up until you actually got a fish is a good deal. Yeah, well, the, the way I, 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 I do it with, with guys, and it's actually a, a trick I learned um, while on the charter boats, is when you, you set out that planer, right? You've got your release yep. clip right there in your lap. What I always do is I'll, you know, let the line out as far as I'm going to use it. And baits I use for on the planers, um, you know, your your basic diving crankbait is, is one of the best ones. You know, not not a deep diver, but a, a substantial, you know, five, eight-foot diving crankbait. Perfect size, like most of the shad that they're eating. As I'll let out the line, 
until I, I feel where the, you know, or, or I think I want my depth. Um, and it's usually about 30, 40 feet behind the, the planer, uh, so I have a nice, good angle on it. I then take my line from, from the rod tip, let out a little bit of slack, pinch the line in between my right hand, and then take my left hand and wrap it one, two, three, four, five, six times, then put it in the clip. And then, you know, okay. you got your, your spool open as you, you know, put the, the bait itself is going to push it out to the end of the planer. So you just, you know, keep giving it a little bit of slack for it to, to peel out there. It's going to take some time because the, 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 the bait's cranking and doing its thing. But you, you need to have a, a good heavy hold on that, that clip. So as it goes out, you, 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 what I always do is I point the rod tip at the clip. Keep my finger on the spool. And just let it peel and peel and peel and peel and peel out, you know, one pound. You just need enough to keep that, that bait going kind of thing. Or if you're, you're having issues, you can't paddle with one hand or whatever, um, I always just let the bait come up to the surface and then just kind of, of make a, a – a, uh, if it's on my right side, let's say, okay, I'll, I'll paddle to my left, having the rod in between my legs so I'm watching the, the, the spool – usually with the clicker on, I let it just peel out like that, using the, the boat itself and the planer as it's pulling itself around to push it out there. Um, yep. it, 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 it works for, for me um, because this is going to drive you, make you go nuts. We run charters out of here, and folks, uh, Matt Chucks has, has just joined us on the, uh, on the show. What's going on, Matt? Hey, Mark, good evening. Uh, just got home from work, so I, I missed oh, a little sorry, bit. I, I can tell. <laughs> it's all right. Um, uh, what topic was freshwater stripers tonight? Yep, uh, we got Chris Carlisle cool. on the line. Um, hey, Chris, how's it going, man? Hey, pretty good, buddy. How about you? Good. Just got home from work a little late for the show, unfortunately. I'm late for the show and the Ranger game, but the Ranger game's DVR'd. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, but Ooh, Rangers, do, the avalanche. Oh my God! Don't even start sorry. that. I'm sorry. Ah. <laughs> anyway, um, but when I'm running the charters out here in the in Chesapeake Bay for stripers, um, our the minimum amount of rods that we run at one time is ten. We'll run Holy ten cow. rods. Um, we ran up to eighteen rods to find the stripers um you know and that that that's two uh one on either side massive planer boards and these are planer boards that are if you laid them on their side they're four and a half feet tall and this is on their side and about six and six and a half feet long just absolutely massive crap um and we we use um uh, uh inch and a half line run from the bridge to the planer boards and then underneath the, the inch and a half line we have a secondary line um that's actually the same as like an outrigger on a boat where we can bring them in and bring them out as needed uh which makes things easy and then we drop the outriggers from there so we'll put three out on each side so that's six We'll drop the outriggers, and we'll run um, two more on each outrigger. And then we run two 
two on down riggers, down low, and then two straight out back and one over top, about 10 or 11 rods. And that, that's, that's a basic setup. Um, and then we, we, we go on top of that even more. Um, you know, if, if it's really getting, getting weird or, or it's, you know, really calm and they're just being real finicky and they're looking for that schooled look, we'll start running rods off the bridge staggered. Literally, you know, lines, if, 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 if I don't put my lines out right, um, you know, it's a mess, you know, so, you know, running up to 10 lines is, is pretty much on par. Running up to 15 is, you know, happens all the time. <laughs> that is, that's amazing. And here I found my dad throwing in eight rods on the back of our little aluminum boat when I was a kid. It was a big deal. Yeah. yeah it, 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 it always makes people amazed when they get on the boat and they see striper rods with, 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 with baits all on them. Folks are like, <coughs> sorry, I had something caught in my throat. But you, uh, you know, they, they walk on the boat and they're like, wow, you guys have a lot of rods. <laughs> you have no idea. And then we get out there and start towing and they're like, oh my God. So it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting experience when you get hooked up. But, uh, but yeah, by, by you twisting it like that, that the line and then make it, put it in the clip, when you run it out there, on, on that lanyard, it hits that board. You know, it, it's set. You can go on and, and keep on fishing. Um, but I always use a, a diving crankbait on one. On the other one, I will run 99.9% of the time, whether it's my left or my right side, a four-inch storm of uh, soft plastic. It's a it's a it's a weighted bait. Um, and the great thing about that is I can stagger it even more. <clears throat> depending on how how deep the the fish are, if I'm running in an area that's only twenty feet deep, I'll only put out fifteen feet of line behind the kayak before I, I put it on my my planer, and you know I'll slide that out there. The next bait that I put out because I'm trying to stagger as much as possible, and when when you put out baits, you want to put them in a in a diamond pattern for stripers as much as possible diamond in behind the boat and diamond in the water line so my next bait is going to be my deep deep bait and it's actually using a downrigger ball on a piece of rope <laughs> um, it's usually 550 cord and, and what I'll do and this is the great thing about the Jackson kayaks is that they have like, on the, the big tuna which is what I, my usual boat that I'll use for, for the stripers because it's, it's stable enough and it's big enough I'm going to have extra rod holders uh, where I need them is I can put that downrigger ball out the stern, let it go to the depth I want it, and then I use a a line catcher like on on a dock piling, and I'll reach back and I'll grab that line and I'll pull it up to the front, grab it, and I you know connect my 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 release clip on there, and then put my bait out, and that's always a, a, a stick bait of some sort. Um, <clears throat> and it's usually a, an, a, a, an atomic um, or, or a darter, as Matt knows them as well. Um, I'm a sucker for darters. Uh, basically, what a darter is is a wooden plug. They make them out of plastic. Um, uh, one who's making them out of plastic that, that are really good right now is a tactical angler. 
uh, and about Alberto Nee, and actually Alberto learned about darters from my grandfather. So, um, kind of funny on that sense. But uh, I use about a four and a half inch uh, sub dart <coughs> um, out the back, and it's only a 15 foot lead from there. But the key with the downrigger is I don't put any loops in the line. I just it's, it's a, a squeeze style, like like most downriggers are. I just okay. clip right to the line, and then just let it drop. <clears throat> if I'm having issues with it coming up and then in the water column for whatever reason, which will happen sometimes, me I'm not going fast enough or whatever. I will take a uh, uh, a big uh, a snap lock and snap on a, a two ounce. Uh, uh, pyramid sink or whatever, connect it to the line and drop that back down to help push that that release clip and everything down to the to the downrigger. Um, and it gets it down there and it runs great. Then my fourth rod goes into any rod holder I have left open. And that's that spinning rod. And nine times out of ten, again, I'm using, you know, pretty simple stuff. It's a, a hoagie. Um, uh, hoagie baits are great. Really good trolling baits are soft plastics, um, and I use the the four inch hoagies, um, usually in in white, which is my go to color, and it's a great one by by using the hoagie. I can also cast it and work it just as well back in. So, you know, I'll send, I actually just take that and I'll cast it behind myself because all the rest of the baits are down deep. By me making a long cast behind and just letting some line out, it gets out of the way of everything else. It's my shotgun. It goes back. I'm not worried about it. Now I'm, I've got my trolling pattern set up, you know, because I've got my diamond, right? So I've got the, the hoagie way out the back. I've got my sub darter in close. I've got my one on my left, my one on my right. And they're all set up in a diamond and then diamond in the in the water column. My downrigger's the bottom. I've got one somewhat... You know, in the middle with the, the that that diving crankbait, and the other one on my right being my my storm, the hoagie on top. You know, makes that diamond. So creating that diamond, what that does is, and they're also staggered. So no matter which way you look at it, it's a diamond. So the striper comes in from any direction or from any depth, he's going to find one of your baits, and that's the theory behind it. Um, you know, if I don't want to use the downrigger for that day. I'll switch it up, and I actually use a uh, Alabama rig. You know, and everyone says you know they're, they're, you can only cast them, and that's that's the guys that don't fish enough. Okay, the um, Alabama rig is, is is a castable umbrella rig. So I'll send that back as my as my way way back bait, and then up close I'll put the hoagie in. You know, literally ten feet off the back of my boat you know, keep that diamond pattern, and it's very successful. White colored baits, blue and white, um, yellow, it's, it's, it's stripers, a stripers, a striper. You know, yellow is, is, a is a staple of the Northeast. Um, you know, so, you know, bait colors like that are always good, and I've been to some bodies of water, and I have to apologize, my guts are screaming at me. Um, you know, and that's one thing that people need to realize is, is, is a striper is a striper is a striper. 
you know, they they eat the same things. They have the same um, brain as you know the the, the saltwater brethren, but uh, still easier to catch. Matt, you know, do you do much trolling for stripers up there in uh, Jersey, or do you you run and gun? Yeah, uh, typically in the spring, that's all you do is you troll bunker spoons, plugs, umbrella rigs, um, early spring until the bunker move in. Or else you right. just drift in clams, you know. But mostly trolling, you pick up the bigger fish. Yeah, because you're covering more water, you know. The, the bigger fish don't have oh, to yeah, move. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, like the smaller ones, well, where you're where drifting, a, a clam will catch you, you know, 50, you know, 20-inch stripers. But running Yeah, I mean, a, like, the you know, the headboats, the big headboats, they'll, they'll, um, they'll anchor up chum and clam, uh, typically. Um, us in right. the kayaks, we actually, um, we use that the uh the tubes a lot and uh you know slap a, a sandworm on the hook as your your uh you know smell attractant and yeah uh the bass go nuts for those but um tube and worm yeah. baby tube and worm yeah tube and worm absolutely but uh spoons work well um like you were saying the umbrella rigs the uh, alabama rigs can't really use a full umbrella rig on a on a yak so the Alabama rigs work really well, and um, also uh, the springtime. What really works well, really good, is the uh, the uh, what is it? The uh, Shimano SP minnows. Those work fantastic. Um, yeah. And also the uh, what is it? The uh, the Yozuri. Their their minnow. I forget what exactly model it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna send you uh, those up some. Work pretty uh... good too. Some of our mullets from Unfair Lures, um, dude, I'm telling you, you take a mullet or one of the greenies, you put that behind, I'll tell you how to run that uh, one day coming up. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, man, that's going to kill some stripers. It's killed a lot down here already. Nice. Killed a lot down and then, here. Uh, yeah, full time, uh, you're gonna, we kind of fish the structure with X-Wraps. Those work yeah. really well. Uh, that's... One of my favorites for structure, man, is a bomber long A. Woo! Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get, get that sucker cranked back. Ka-ka! Send that long <laughs> A a mile. Oh, man. That, 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 that makes the wind cheaters work pretty good, the bomber and wind cheaters. Yeah, oh, yeah. The wind cheaters. Like the old, uh, uh, an old Hopkins. Hopkins spoon, baby. Oh, oh yeah. Throwing a, a Hopkins. And actually, that's, that's, um... For those that I trolled those Hopkins spoon. Oh yeah, um, Alberto, uh, uh, Alberto Nee, uh, technical angler, crazy Al, as a lot of people know him as. Um, he was a a staple out of Montauk uh, for the longest time. That's how I know him, and that's how he learned how to throw darters and stuff like that. Um, he's a tin man. He's a tin man from way back, and he used to. This is this is how long ago, man. He used to drive out in his old Jeep, right, out, out to Shagwan or out to the Point or in Turtle Cove when you could drive out there, having three rods on the front of his truck, um, all casting rods with uh, with uh, old pen squitters magged out. And and every last one of them had uh, a tin on, had either a tin with the uh, uh, um, green tube on the back end, yeah, I got a diamond jig. No, no, he used a uh, uh, a butterfish uh, tin 
with with okay. uh, with with one of those. Um, and he was deadly on them, blue stripers. Um, so he had two rods with that, and then you'd have another rod, usually with a darter. After he learned how to throw them, uh, with a darter or a uh, um, a bottle plug or a um, uh, I'm brain farting all of a sudden uh, a pencil pencil po- uh, pencil uh, 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 not a pencil a uh, a stick. Stick plug. You had a long needlefish plugs. Yeah, stick and feet. yeah, and he would send. He'd go on. He'd drive out. You see him at sunset. Drive out to the spot because the tides are right. And him start throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing. He'd be there for thirty minutes. You see him drive by with nothing. If you if it was past thirty minutes, you know he had fish. So you went out there. He fished right behind him. I mean, he was he was deadly. And he, nine times out of ten, it was those tins he was throwing. You know, because he could take that tin on that casting rod, 12-foot rod, crank that thing and send it and spool a, a, you know, a 500 squitter, you know, in a split second. And then reel it in because, you know, those squitters have a gear ratio um, of like 0.1 to 1. <laughs> yeah. So you can, you can reel it as fast as you want and it's just barely crawling One crank, through the water you're reeling, reeling in like 20 feet of line. Oh, one crank, you're barely reeling in an inch of line. Remember those old squares? Oh, yeah, the other way around. <laughs> All right. Yeah, 20 cranks bringing in an inch, yeah. But it was that perfect speed for that, that butterfish tin just to wobble in the in the current. You know, and he, you know, he'd work rips where you don't have to worry about the current pushing either way because it's, you know, coming together. And he'd bring it right through that rip, man, and just tear up the stripers and the blues. Um, false albacore, man, he used to go nuts with them. But he, that's when he had, uh, he, he really started catching them after he started getting the, uh, um, the van stalls, you know, where he could actually, you know, crank that, that bait and skip that, that butterfish tin on the surface, and then seeing a, a false alby coming up out of the water before it, bah, it was always cool. Um, you know, gotta love it, gotta love it. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, as I say, we do a. Go ahead, man. As I say, we do it a little bit different up here in North Dakota. We we like to use a, you, you like you're talking your shallow running stick baits and stuff like that. We've had some mm-hmm. really good luck. Uh, we we put them on like bottom bouncers. We go sit mm-hmm. in the rivers and just float around and let the current pull them. And you know, you, with the bottom bouncer, you, you can adjust that that depth quite easily to to help find those fish. And uh, that's actually for us up here, that's been a really, really popular way and very successful way of hitting those things. Kind of like a planer board too, but you know, not exactly. But right, yeah, that's kind of how we're doing it. Well, the the lures that we use pretty much from from Jersey, northern Jersey, north. Um, you know, uh, surprisingly, Staten Island and 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 Brooklyn have some of the best striper fishing. Uh, from the surf, if you can get, if you can find a way to get out onto one of the old docks or, or piers or anything like that, you can get some really good fish. Um, out through Long Island, Long Island Sound, and stuff like that. The smallest bait that we use is a tin, and and what a tin is is like a um, like a diamond jig. Um, you know, up to four inches in length is about the, the size of the biggest tin you'll ever use. 
you know, ounce, ounce and a half, and then everything gets bigger from there. I mean, I've used 18-inch needlefish baits. Um, you know, I've got some 12-inch bottle plugs, um, some 12-inch sub darts. I've got one hanging on my wall right now. You know, I've got some some pretty big, big, uh, uh, big lures, and you know, sur- throwing them from the surf is always the, the the most fun. I love it, love it. Um, but yeah, you know, that's how you 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 fish for for stripers with a artificial setup, which is 90% of the country only has you allowed to troll with artificial setups. If you were going to use live bait, use three rods. Okay, live bait has a live of its own, has a mind of its own. Um, the preferred live bait is two. There's two preferred live baits. The first one is a uh, shad. And usually, guys catch the shad with cast nets, um, and they hook them up live or dead, all the same basically. Um, which is just take a, a, a circle or J hook. A lot of guys use circles depending on the state, and they come up from underneath the the bottom of the chin, out through the nose. And then just send it back. Um, usually with weights, sometimes without planer boards to get them away from each other. Um, what you'll find a lot, though, in, in a lot of other states that have them, is rainbow trout. Trout are bass, large, small, spotted, line side, whatever. Um, they are absolutely suckers for trout. Trout's fatty. It's you know protein on steroids, okay? Um, so they'll, they'll go out of the way to eat a trout. Um, now, if you have the opportunity to fish with a live trout, I highly recommend you learn how to bridle. And the easiest bridle I'm going to tell you right now to do, and what bridling is, is basically keeping the circle hook out of the bait to allow maximum uh, hook surface, okay, is using zip ties. Okay, and all you're going to do is take a, a, a pretty thin zip tie, one that's still substantial, but, you know, pretty thin. Cut it down a little bit to a point uh, where you're going to stick it through the fish. And all you're going to do is, right above the eyes, in that, that soft membrane between the eyes and the skull, just push it right through there. Nine times out of ten, it'll go right through, no issues. The fish is still alive, all right? Then just zip it down until it's nice and snug. Bring the one end around where the... the Two ends connect to above the eye. Then take your hook and just wedge it underneath that, you know, hook that zip tie to the hook, basically. And you're, you're ready to uh, to tear into them, basically. Send it back and, and wait for the fish to hit. Now, with circle hooks, okay, and a little knowledge for you there, Chris. You're, going, you're not going to want to... Um, Wrap the line. You're going to want to keep the line loose and then have the spool loose at the same time. Because um, you want to actually feed that fish, that bait. You want them to actually eat the circle hook in a sense. Okay? Get it as far down in them and eat, let them eat. Let them give them a five count before you, 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 you come tight on them. And that's what I find the best thing to do is, you know, send it out there, put it in the rod holder, start paddling. You know, each one on each planer, and then one right out the back, and now just keep keep paddling. I, that that planer, when that it doesn't matter who you are, when you start to realize what the sound of a release clip going off sounds like, you're gonna snap your head 
like you're breaking it, okay? Boom, there goes the line. You see it cutting through the water. Keep paddling. Make sure your reel's pretty much on free spool with the clicker on. Let that fish eat. Paddle. That gives you a couple extra seconds to pull out that other rod. Reel in one of your lines. Get that line out of the way. Just get it close to the boat. You don't need it, you know, to the rod spring. You just keep it in the in the water near you that if you have to, you can crank it a couple of times. You know, I've even had it where it's hit, and I watch that line kind of kind of go and then slack, going and slack, where I've let it eat for a second or two because that fish came up and smacked that, smacked that bait, okay, popped the release clip. Now that bait's running free, and that striper's coming back in to eat it. And he'll, he'll, he'll hit it a few times, depending on the size of the trout. And, you know, let him eat it. I've actually gotten both lines in before I've gotten to that other one um, and, and hooked up with them. You know, just keep that line loose. Let it go. When he gets it, close that bail and just reel. Don't have to reel like a madman. Just, just reel nice and steady until that rod tip starts to bow and keep on reeling until he takes off with it again. That is the number one thing with circle hooks. And I'm guarantee you, if you let them eat it, doesn't matter what it is, a big walleye, muskie, whatever, it'll catch them every time right in the corner of its mouth. Are you using like a, a bait feeder style reel then when you do this? Yeah, you, you're going to want a, yeah, the, the reel that I talked about earlier, that Slosh 20, it's 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 the, the backbone, backbone of, of a lot of... Um, of smaller uh, striper fishermen, um, you definitely want to use a, a casting reel, a conventional reel with a clicker on it. Or if you have a bait, bait feeder, um, I know, I know, uh, I was looking at like an uh, Akuma Trio bait feeder. Yeah, that, that, that's that was exactly where you want to go. I was kind of thinking that one, you know, for the price and all that kind of stuff, seemed like a decent option, but you know. I needed to talk to people like you a little bit more before I opt to buy one like that. <laughs> yeah, and with bait feeder reels, you actually control the tension of that spool peeling off line with a yeah, you got with, two. with a with a controlling knob. Yeah, you actually just want to keep it just just enough that when you grab the line and you start to pull it, okay, that it it doesn't give you a whole lot of tension, but it just gives you enough that if you you know, you have a heavy wind or you're trolling, it's not just ripping line out. Yeah. You need to find that, that sweet spot. Every reel has it. Um, we, we, as soon as you find that, that sweet spot, you never have to adjust it again. And if you're using a conventional reel, to find that sweet spot, you use the the spool control knob. Um, on the side of the reel, it's usually right next to the the um, the handle itself and the star drag, it's right there. You just kind of adjust it just enough till you get that that that, that tension to keep that line from, from screaming out on you. Um, okay. You know, like I said, you find that sweet spot, and you'll be golden. Uh, but with circle hooks, you definitely want to have the, the spool open, okay, or the, the, the drag set very loose so they can grab it and they can run with it without much tension in the line. Because so with the circle hook, you actually want them to eat the hook. Okay, the farther in the, the the head that a circle hook gets, the better opportunities you have of hooking that fish. Um, so, like for instance, 
let's say we were using, we were trolling for muskies, right? So you would need yep. a wire leader, in a sense. You would do a haywire twist to the hook, and then oh, you only need is about 12 inches. And, and I, I hear these guys talking about using 36 inches worth of, uh, you know, 48, 96 inches of, of, of wire leader. And I'm looking at them going, are you serious? <laughs> it's a muskie. Okay. I'm lucky if I use nine. <laughs> yeah. 12 inches is all you need. Okay. And yep. I keep trying to tell my wife that, but she keeps on laughing at me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, number nine or or number six size single strand wire is all you need. Here wire twist it. Okay. Because what you want to have happen is for that whole 12 inches and that hook to be all the way in his mouth and that swivel at the other end, if you use a swivel, okay, to be just sticking right at the very tip of his mouth when you can, when you start putting tension on that line. That gives you enough time for that line to go, that, that, that lure or the, the line itself to go to one of the corner of his, corner of his mouth and pull. That's how you get him to hook up. So you need that, that, that distance. You do that, man, and I'm telling you, 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 everyone will catch more fish, better fish, and be happier for it. It's pretty. Now I got a quick question. Quick question too. You you were mentioning the 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 shad and how you guys hook them, right? Mm-hmm. Up through the the jaw and then through the nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, up there, we found uh, a lot of our fish when they when they when we're pulling live bait like that, they uh, they almost like short hit it. You know, they, they'll slap the tail. They'll try to bite the tail end off before they actually go in for the kill mm-hmm. um, or the eat. Um, and we found, too, that if you actually open with, like, the, the J-hook or just the normal hook and stuff, as long as your shank is long enough, you open up the mouth and slide it through his gill and out the gill, and then actually you can twist the hook and kind of pierce it right through his back, right above the dorsal fin. You still right. get great action. You still get great, you know, uh, the, the sense that the fish is real. And, of course, with the, the hook being all that way in there, you, you know, it's not hitting any of his internal organs. He stays alive for quite a long time. Right. And we found that that actually helps out tremendously, you know, where we don't necessarily get that one first hit and then five, ten seconds later, boom, another one. You, right. you know, when we do that, we're just, you, they come up, they hit it, and they don't know what the heck hit them. Yeah. Oh, if, the reason I like putting it through the nose is if I start seeing short strikes like that, um, where they're just like uh, on toothy critters, um, not necessarily with, with your muskies, because they, they're a bite and hold, they're not a bite and slash. Um, yep. What I'll actually go to is a stinger rig, which is basically a, Decently sized forward hook, um, like a size one aught, two aught, extra wide gap octopus hook, um, and then I take another piece of single strand and connect it to the eyelet of the hook, the front hook, and run it back with a, a treble hook. Um, and what I usually like to do is is I take the the basic length of my fish I'm using. So let's say I'm using a 12 inch bait. Um, I'll make a eight inch stinger, and what you do is you 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 nose hook the, the bait, and then you take that stinger, that 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 treble hook, and you turn it 
so this way the point of the barb is actually facing the tail and I'll bring it back so I have a bow in that that wire and then stick it in the bottom of the bait once I stick it inside the bottom of the bait it'll rotate itself naturally around and be facing correct if that makes any sense so now I have a yep. bow in that that stinger which allows the bait to still work itself and now I have a bait in the tail so when they do come up and they do short strike it like that and they're not eating it that they get that 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 back hook and what you'll find is you'll start seeing more tail you know more treble catches and then you start seeing them eating both and you start to you know realize okay he's got both in his both in his head that's pretty cool and you can you know toss them right in or all he's got is the the treble that's when the one you want to net you know he's just got the front net him but when you start seeing him getting both in their head it's like ah you know take a couple wraps in the leader and yank them right in uh, without any issues um, but yeah, you know, running, running a hook through the bait like that, depending on, you know, how, um, how strong your bait is, is a great one. And also, if you want the, your bait to actually dive on you and dive down right in front of the dorsal fin, you just take the hook and pierce that, that bat, that fatty shoulder back meat right there. And what that does is it, it starts pulling on that point. And if you take, you know, take a pencil or pen, if you hold a pen in the middle, Right, and you put pressure on either yep. side, it's going to pull straight up. But if you go just forward of that point and you pull, it's going to start pitching down like a crankbait will. And that's basically what you're doing is you turn that bait into a crankbait. And it'll force him down. He'll actually dive down, you know, trolling a knot and a half, two knots, and you can you can do some work. So, Not but, a bad idea. Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah, that's another... That. Another trick. Some of that stuff you can't do up here. Right. I love hearing you, I love hearing you guys do your umbrella rigs because yeah, we can't touch that with a ten foot pole up here. Oh no. Yeah. And even our even our stinger lines, they've got uh, and we can use them, but if I'm not mistaken, they're they're only allowed to be like X amount of inches behind the hook. They got so many dumb regulations and stuff like that to keep us out of trouble. And you know all that kind of stuff. So I've tended to stay away from the stinger hook, but the the hooking them, putting it through the gill without damage, and then into the back, that seems to help us out. But no, I, I like the the stinger idea. That's I've seen that work really well. That's a great great idea. I wish we could do more of that up here. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a staple of the the charter fleets out here. So. You know, it's one thing that every charter fleet has, and, you know, we call them a hundred different things, stinger rigs to shark rigs to uh, uh, um, mother-in-law rigs, because no matter where you go, <laughs> you, you either catch it in the front or you catch it in the back with a mother-in-law. Um, so it's a uh, it's a win-win. Um, but, yeah, feel free to call in any time there, Chris. Uh, we're, we're running out of time tonight, but, um, you know, Please feel free to call in. As long as you guys keep having these great shows, I have no problems listening and calling in. You guys are awesome. Oh, that's thank really appreciated, man. The, thank you for letting me spend the night with you guys. I appreciate it. Oh, it's our pleasure, man. It's absolutely my pleasure, and you know, um, this is why we do it. You know, to help help those improve and and become better, and you know, it's what it's all about. Um, but yeah, thanks, Chris, for calling in. Greatly appreciated. Um, with that being said, 
I have to call it a night. Uh, as you can hear in the background, I have sick children, and uh, <laughs> uh, they are in need of some daddy loving. So, with that being said, <laughs> thanks, Matt, for calling in. Um, hey, no problem, man. Thanks me. for a uh, good show, from what I caught. Very good show. Always uh, nice explanatory. I love it. <laughs> um, just a reminder, folks, that we will not be on until January 8th. You're going, why so long? Well, because Christmas and New Year's run on a Wednesday this year. <laughs> and I know about yep. you, but New Year's Day is otherwise known as Recovery Day. So, <laughs> we're going to take those days. No out. doubt. <laughs> uh, so, we'll be back January 8th. Stay tuned to find out what the topic might be. And uh, I think we got to go uh, winterize your kayak, man. Winterize your kayak? If you're hardcore, you're never going to kayak. I was going to say, what, are you trying to make fun of me over here, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> no, come on. I haven't been in my kayak in two months. I'm having withdrawals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> that does suck. God, I'm going to drill a hole through my kayak when I get a new one. I'm going to take that stupid thing out, and I'm going to sit in it and ice fish. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> With that being said, please support my supporters because they support me, and you should support them as well. Jackson Kayak, Orca Coolers, Bull Bay Rods, Unfair Lures, Tommy Head Jigs, YakAngler.com, and you, the listener, thank you so much. With that being said, take a kid fishing. They are the future of our sport. Take him hunting. Because a kid who hunts fish and trappers doesn't rape, steal, or deal. Always wear your PFD. It's doing you no good sitting in the kayak as it's floating away as you drown. And if you get out in the water, whether it's on the ice or in a kayak or in a boat or on the beach, to get your fish on, man. Aha. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.